Life Church Global, how are you? You know, it's exciting to be a lifer. You experience life wherever you go. Every temple is full of life. And we really want to honor everyone who has the heart in the right place to hear the word. Everyone who is submitted to Life Church Global, we want to love you. We want to honor you. It's such a pleasure and a privilege to be serving you. And most of all, I want to honor my mom and dad, Pastor John. Uh, to say I love you is an understatement, but that's all I can say for now. So <laughs> let us pray and get into the word. We have a good word today. Father, we thank you for the hearts that are open to receive the word. We thank you that the hearts are good ground and they will heal a hundredfold. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Who is enjoying the spiritual algorithm series? I'm loving it. I'm loving it. So today I'm going to talk about humility. It's a continuation. We are continuing on that. And humility is acknowledging the grace of God in your life. It's observing what the Heavenly Father does and doing the same here on earth. It is when you hear and follow God's direction in every way and wherever he directs you. Now you might think, so does it mean um, God set us up to be the inferior and is the superior, is the high God that tells us what's, what to do, when to do it, and we are powerless. No, it's not like that. Grace is God's desire for us to partner with him for his will to come to pass. So it's, it's a position of responsibility, a position of honor. God is inviting us to be with him through humility. Humility is walking in progressive authority alongside God. The confidence of obeying him in every situation, knowing that the future is certain and the certainty of the future is in the direction that comes from the almighty. Now I've listed a few traits that I would like to touch upon before we get deep into the word. So humility is about acknowledging the power of the cross and the grace of God of our lives. Recognizing and valuing God for who he is and who he, he, what he has done in our lives. It is doing exactly what the Heavenly Father is doing now. So it's progressive. It's not what he did last year. It's not what our ancestors did. It's what God is doing today. So that nullifies religion completely. It's not what we knew God to be doing at a certain point of time. It's what God is doing right now. And we know that from, the, from his word. His word is progressive. He's always telling us what to do. He speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through nature. He speaks to us through community, ecclesia. So God is progressive. And the traits of humility are that you hear him, you observe and do the same. Right here, right now. It's progressive. It is a position of selflessness. In humility, there is service. There is no way you can say, I'm humble, when you don't serve. Yeah? Amazing. It's unwavering dependence and trust on God. It's when your mind, your heart, and everything is aligned and there is no speck of doubt in you that whatever you're doing, as long as it's in sync and it's in line with what God is showing you, it is correct. So you do not look at self or what the surroundings are saying, but you follow the guiding of the Holy Spirit. It is the courage to make the bold decisions in life based on how much you trust God. 
So timidity, fear, and all that are opposed to the value and the traits of humility. So we are going to have fun today. I laid a foundation on this and I'll be touching on them as we progress. Yeah? So humility is when you trust in the Lord with all your heart and all your soul. And you lean not on your understanding, but in everything that you do, you acknowledge him and then he directs your path. Yeah? The Bible says in the book of Proverbs chapter 15 verse 33, wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord and humility comes before honor. So that means when you have humility, when you are humble, you are preceded by honor. Good things happen to you. This is why I say it is God's way of setting up for success. It's him holding our hands to say, come with me and I'll show you what success looks like. Now, humility is not like salvation that you receive and it comes on you. It's something that you walk towards. You choose and you desire to have it. It's a trait that you say, I want to be humble. You work towards humility and God gives grace to the humble. So as Christians, it's something that we should walk towards. And remember, God gives us privileges. He made, him, he made us in such a way that we are so like him. He even gave us the authority to make our own decisions. So it's to my, to my discretion. Do I want to be humble? Humility is there. He gives us the grace to be humble. But do I want to be that? So it's something that you need to desire in your heart. It's something that you work towards. It's something that you continuously become as you progress and manifest into sonship. So as God's sons, we cannot do anything without him. This is a fact. We can't without him. However, he's a loving father. He gives us the free will. If you want to follow my guidance, come. If you do not want to, it's your choice again, but it doesn't mean that his affections for you change. He is our loving father. However, the decisions that we make determine what happens to us. It has nothing to do with the love of the father. It has everything to do with what we desire and what we need for our lives. So wisdom is principle. And when we have wisdom, we know better to be humble. So humility is the foundation for prosperity, is the foundation for honor. And as sons, when we acknowledge the grace of God, it nullifies the works of the flesh. Where you so much desire to present a certain image, to portray a certain image even before the father. You are not trying to impress God, but you know God is fully impressed already. And you are working to know what, what he desires for you. Where does he want us to go today? Where are we going? What is the plan? What is happening? So that is different from the works of the flesh. Where you're thinking, am I measuring up? Do I need to pray 10 hours? Do I need to fast more? What do I need to do? You know, do I need to quote the scriptures? What do I need to do? It's when you go beyond that and you say, it's no longer I who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. And just because he lives in me and through him, I can do all things. Therefore, I follow his guidance. I allow him to lead and I follow diligently. Where is he taking me? Yeah? yeah. 
So Jesus is our perfect example for humility. He displayed the highest level of humility. And Paul uh, relates to this as he's speaking to the church in Ephesians. I'll read to the church in Philippians rather. I'll read from Philippians chapter 2 from verses 3 to 11. It's quite a long read. It says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain concert. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as men. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name above every name. And the name of... At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now we are going to go through this reading and touch on a few elements. First of all, uh, Paul is giving reference to what Jesus did. And he starts off by saying, do nothing out of selfish ambition. Okay, he's talking against self-awareness. Where you're only thinking about me, me. What do I benefit from this? If I do this, what do I benefit from that? And he says, rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Now you might think, so if, if I, I act all pious, you know, and I said, oh, it's okay, you can sit here. Or, you know, I don't eat, I give you my plate first. Or I dress, you know, in a very poorly manner, I'm being humble. No, it doesn't mean that. Humility is not association with the inferior, but rather it's power, it's ability to harness power. So when you're acting in false humility, you're being proud. And God opposes the proud. Yeah? I need to lay that foundation so that we understand that humility has to do with power, not weakness. Yeah? So not looking at your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. What was Jesus' mindset? Who being in very nature God, that says it all. Jesus is God, right? He is God. However, he surrendered his power in order to serve. So humility is a position of harnessed power. You have the power. You can if you want. But you harness that power in order to benefit the will of God. So he surrendered his will and took up the lowliness state. Not of his mind, but position. He, he didn't become just human because he chose to be human. He remained God in a human being. But he chose that position in order to save humanity. He needed to be here in human form to save humanity. And right there, what does it say about us? We are gods. We are like him and he gave us all authority. We can do exactly like he does. 
But for me to operate, to be able to save my community, I need to humble myself. And I can, I can only do that when I know what God is telling me to do. What is he saying right now? What needs to be done? Who am I supposed to save? How am I supposed to save? My heart needs to be submitted. And I need to be looking out to the Father. He knows where we are going. And in this case, Jesus submitted to God. He did not consider it equality with God to be something to be used to his own advantage. This means he had an opportunity. He had an option to use that to his advantage. Even as he was here on earth, if he wanted, he could. It was an option that he retained even as he was here on earth. But he did not. Again, it's the ability to control the power. Yeah? So he chose selflessness over self-awareness and selfishness. Yeah? And then the third point is, he obeyed by becoming, he, obeyed, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. This is really powerful, especially for us who know that Jesus is life. That means death had no power over him. He had to say at some point that I submit myself to die. He couldn't. If he had not submitted, he would not have died because he's life. How can life be overcome by death? In the very nature, life overcomes death. But he says, I surrender my life. I lay down my life. That's how he dies. And of all types of death, he took the cursed one on the cross. The most shunned upon way of dying. But he submitted to that. So humility is manifested through obedience. When you say, I know I have an option. Like I said, God gave us free will. In every situation, you can, you have options. You can choose otherwise, but the results are not always the same. In this case, he sees the joy that lied ahead. The joy of us receiving salvation, becoming one with Christ, reunited as well, again with God. And for that, he said, I surrender my life. I choose to. Death, you can overcome me temporarily. And it shows that he had absolute confidence in God the Father that you would raise him up as he had promised. So humility is a position of absolute confidence and ability to obey regardless. It doesn't have to benefit you. It has to be God telling you what to do. Yeah. yeah. So in most, in most cases, we tend to think if, if you feel like the situation is not so much working in your favor, that's where you feel like I, I have control over situation. You can speak things. You feel like you, you want to direct certain things in certain parts. It's wise to seek the counsel of God. What are we doing in this season? I loved the word that we are learning about the process, a process of becoming. It's not always about quick solutions to problems. It's not always about coming out quickly out of solutions. It's about going through the process with God. Because anyways, he says he never leaves us nor forsakes us. So there's nothing to be afraid. Darkness is good. We go into that darkness with Christ because we know he will take us out. His promises are yes and amen. So though I walk into the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for he is with me. At all times he is with me. So in every situation we need to hear what God is saying. What is his direction? What is his guidance? His grace abounds. I need to hear him more than I need to see situations changed. 
So the people of Israel, the reason why they continue to murmur is because the Bible records that they knew the acts of God. Whereas Moses knew the ways of God. Those are two different things. Acts is when you want things fixed. You're not feeling more healing. That's an act. But ways is when you know how God heals you. So you understand, you master the heart of the Father towards you. Do you not wonder why time and again they would fall in the same trap and they would die? Because they were not paying attention to the relationship. They wanted benefits of being with God. But us as mature sons, we choose to humble ourselves. To say, God, I know I can access all these things, but what's your will for me right here, right now? What am I supposed to be doing in this season? Who am I supposed to be with in this season? Am I supposed to be in this situation? Let it not be my will. This is what Jesus said. Because he knew how painful it was to die on the cross. And in that moment he says, not my will, but your will. Because he knows with God he can do all things. If it was left to him, he probably would not have done it. But he said, not my will, but your will be done. Let's go to the cross. I allow myself to be done, to, to die for the greater purpose that you have for humanity. So talking of obedience, obedience is a tool that is valuable in every, in every aspect of our lives. But when it comes to humility, there is no way you can say you are humble when you are not obedient. Hearing and doing are two things. When you hear and you say, yes, you know, I know my position. I know God loves me. I know I can make all decisions. If I choose this or that, I'm still a son. Yes, you're still a son. Yes, he loves you. But the outcome of your actions are different. The repercussions are there. Because the same God who loves you is the same God who created the universe with principles. And it's not like men that he violates his principles. It is in our best interest to submit and humble ourselves before the Lord. I'll use an example to bring this home. Now, there was a man in the Bible by the name Naaman. He was a Syrian commander, and he had leprosy. And they had raided Israel. There was one girl, a slave girl, who was working in his house. He realized that he had leprosy. And he told the master that there is Elisha, the prophet, who hears from God. Probably if he goes there, he would be healed because he heals leprosy. So he is an army commander, Naman. He goes there and he is expecting uh, the prophets to come out and prophesy, probably speak a blessing, touch him, do all this. A magnificent meeting for him to receive the healing. But what happens was contrary to that. He goes there and Elisha does not even come out but sends his servant to say, go and dip yourself seven times in the Jordan River and you'll be healed. He felt offended. He was offended. He said there are better rivers in Syria. He would have just told me to dip myself there. Did I really have to come here? And he was determined to go back. So he had the solution. Go and dip yourself seven times in the river Jordan. I'm talking about obedience right now. Go and dip yourself seven times. But to him, it was absurd. How can you just bring me to dip myself in your own river? Do you think there are no better rivers in Syria? I can go there and be dipped there and be healed. I'm not going to do this. And then his servants in that moment implored him and asked him if, you, if the prophet had asked him to do better things. Would he not have done it? 
just because what he has been asked to do seems inferior? Is this why he's not doing it? In that moment, he submitted to the advice from his servants. He did not consider himself highly above their counsel. And because of that, he went and dipped himself seven times and he was healed completely. So there's a difference between hearing and actioning on and acting on what you hear. If he had had this and decided to go back home, it would have been another fairy tale. You know that Elisha the prophet, he's, he's, he's crazy. He asked me to do this. Do you think it's proper? Have you ever heard of anyone who gets healed this way? But instead, he decided to do it and he received the healing. Was healing not available in the first place? From the moment the prophet spoke, the healing was available. But the manifestation of the healing was in doing what the prophet had said. Sometimes we wonder, why is it that things are not working for me? What is God saying? Is it time for you to come out of that situation? So how do you say the situation is not working? It's a challenge. I'm submitting that to you. God is not like men. His word is yes and amen. He never lies. So coming back to Jesus, again I'm saying obedience is closely related to humility. You display your humility by obeying instructions that you're given. So Jesus chose humility and he humbled himself before the Lord. Now, the word of the Lord says, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up in dueness of time. So the lifting up of Jesus was quite unique because in addition to our salvation, he was given a name above all names. Any name you can think of is below the name of Jesus. So when you humble yourself, God honors you. In humility, there is honor. You don't strive to be honored. It comes. It's a process. You humble yourself and God honors you. When you humble yourself, you, you acknowledge that you're content with being a son of God. You show your contentedness and your gratitude towards the Father. You know that God has better plans than I can ever imagine for myself because that is what he says. For he knows the thoughts that he has for us, right? And you say, God, I trust your thoughts. I trust what you have in store for me and I choose to follow you to take me to my destiny, right? Then you're walking in humility. So I'm sure you can see right away that humility has nothing to do with inferiority. It has nothing to do with, a, with, with you know, false humility. It, is, it has everything to do with confidence in your relationship with the Father. So when you downplay yourself, it's from a position of pride. Sometimes we say, oh, I, I, I can't. The reason why you say you can't is deep down in your heart, you esteem yourself highly above people around you. You have a gift to give, but you, you withhold it because you think of your image. What would they think if I knock on their door with a loaf of bread? No, I can't. They would think I'm crazy. 
So it's self-awareness. The Lord says, go and give this to Angela. But I say, I can't. She'll think I'm crazy. Do you think she needs this? But maybe that thing was a breaking point for her. It, it may be that it's not so big in my eyes. But when I give it to her, it's a breakthrough moment for her. So submission has nothing to do with how you perceive yourself. Like I said, it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. So it's not so much to my benefit to process what God says to me. It benefits me better when I do what he tells me to do. Continuing with Jesus, he went about doing his father's business. That's what he said. I'm doing my father's business. Wherever he was, he was about his father's business. No wonder why he would heal on Sabbath. Then it was unheard of. It was a taboo to heal on a Sabbath. But he would because he was about his father's business, which was progressive, not stagnant, as was previously perceived. And he would spend time with God, right? He would wake up in the early hours of the morning and he would be with God. And when he comes out, he knows who to minister to, how to impact lives. So sometimes you feel, how does God talk to me? How do I hear him? I'm not saying you have to spend 10 hours sitting with the Bible or read or pray for 90 days and all that. It's when your heart is so in tune with what God is saying. You spend time with him. You want to hear what he's saying to you. He is always there. He is always there. We don't look for him. God is available. When you open your heart, you may be in the metro. You may be driving to work. If you say, God, I'm here. He speaks to you, right? So Jesus was always aligned to that, knowing exactly what God wants him to do, and he went about doing that. And he was proud to identify himself with God. This is why he would open the scroll in, in front of multitudes and declares that the manifestation of the word was in front of them. He knew who he was. With humility comes identity. I know who I am. I'm not confused about my identity because I'm a man on assignment. I'm a son who knows what I'm doing and who I'm doing it with. So I don't doubt whether I'm Christian or not. I don't doubt whether I'm loved or not because I'm a woman on, on assignment. I know what we are doing with God. So true love casts, away, casts out all fear. When there are moments when you feel like you don't measure up, when you feel like, um, I don't think I'm hearing God, that is not true. That is not true. You are of the Lord. Fear not, little children, for you are of God. So God is always available to speak to you. Now we can get into a little moment of heart cleansing. Yeah. <laughs> Entitlement is a stumbling block to humility. Jesus did not say, since I'm God, you know, you have to worship me. You know, you could have done it if you wanted, like I said. He still had a choice to do that. But he did not use that to his advantage. We are privileged to be the sons of God. But do we not sometimes use that power to benefit? How do I relate with my family? Am I always thinking about me in every situation? How do I honor my friend in my community? How do I honor my life group? Is it always about me not having time? About me being ministered to? About me, me, me in every situation? Entitlement is opposed to humility. 
Like I said, you cannot be humble and not be able to serve. In humility, there is service. So it's not about you. It's about the next person. And this is what Paul is saying. Do not always think about yourself, but consider how you can serve the next person. Jesus did not go about thinking about himself. What did I eat? What did I not eat? You remember the other time they wanted him to eat and he said he's full because he's about his father's business. He ate something and they didn't see what he had eaten because he felt he needed to serve. So when you find yourself in moments where you just feel like, why am I not, why is this? Why? When you question everything and you feel like it's not in alignment with what you want, maybe it's a moment to go back and say, Father, what is my assignment? What am I supposed to be doing in this moment? I feel like I always need everything. It's probably because you are not saving in that moment. When you save, you get a moment of gratitude. Like what uh, I read before, he gives grace to the humble. So there's grace for me to save. And there's honor with it. So how do I feel shortchanged? Logically speaking, how does that work? In humility, there's satisfaction. Because you know and you understand what you're doing and who you're doing it for. So picture this. What, it what would it be like when you say, God, what are we doing today? Who am I meeting? What am I saying to them? What kind of conversations am I having today? And you go out looking to minister. You go out looking to serve. You walk into that office and you know the atmosphere is tense. And you say, what are we doing today? How am I ministering to these people? It's not just my increment, my promotion. It's how am I ministering to this company? What is happening to this company in this season? How am I helping them? And from there, honor comes. We are sons of God. Like I said, this is not to condemn but to empower. This is for us to know the authority that we have and how we can harness it to become like Christ. Wherever Christ went, he had a multitude of people thronging and following him because he had solutions. Am I looking for a solution or am I a solution giver? Yeah. He was so humble that he gave of his time. He gave of his resources. He gave of his energy to minister to people. So God is not looking for our performance. He's looking for our heart. Like I said earlier, we can't do it. We don't have the capacity to do it. Therefore, this is why he is also not asking me to do it. He's asking for partnership. So it's like getting into exam and you have all the answers. We are set to succeed. But the only difference is you are given a choice. He says, do you want me to help you? So the answer is either yes or no. When you say yes, you're submitting to humility. When you say no, you're saying, no, I can do this by myself. Watch and see. Again, we go back to the children of Israel. They could not get into the promised land because they were not in tune and aligned with what God was saying to them. There are moments when God tells you that he loves you and you refuse to accept that. It's not humility, it's pride. There are moments when God says, I have forgiven you. And you keep asking for forgiveness. 
That is not humility. It's pride. Humility is when God says, you're forgiven, and you say, yes, Lord, thank you. And you move on with him. Like I said, he is progressive. So why do I stagnate and think of the mistakes that I made in the past? In a process, we celebrate the smallest achievements rather than this, the minute mistakes we made in the way, along the way. So if Christ is not thinking that about us, why do we spend time thinking about sitting and dwelling on our mistakes and not moving with him? Now I would like to talk about another profound character in the Bible who is an example of humility, Ruth the Moabite. So now, now Naomi and her husband left Israel because there was a massive drought in the land and they went and lived with the Moabites. After a few years, their sons married and their daughters-in-law were Opa and uh, Ruth. A few years later, all men died and three widows remained. Now, news came that things were well back home and now Naomi decided to go back. But then he told his daughters to return home since he could not bear children for them. She was too old. She could not bear children for, for her two daughters-in-law. They, both, they each made a choice and there was nothing wrong with the choices they each made. Opa realized that her mother was being truthful, that she can't have a son who would be able to marry her. And by going back home to the people she knew, she had an opportunity to remarry. And Ruth, on the other hand, chose humility and submission. She said, you are my mother. I'll go with you. Your people will be my people. She made a covenant with her. Your God will be my God. What you eat is what I shall eat. We'll be separated by death. And she went with her. All right? They are both choices, and there's nothing wrong with what either one decided you need to know that God is not watching you to say, you make this choice, that's it. Each choice you make is okay with God. He loves you, that's why he gave you the, the privilege to make that choice. But we'll talk about truth because we did not hear about Opav after this incident. Yeah? So Ruth goes with Naomi and as she goes there, I can imagine the cultural differences. You're getting into a new place and all that. The cultural shock. But for her, it was nothing. She kept obeying what her mom-in-law was telling her. So she started gleaning in Boha's farm. After the day, she went home with a lot of uh, um, grain. And her mother-in-law asked where she got it from. And she assigned her to keep gleaning from there. As if it was not enough, Boaz saw her in, her field, in his field and inquired who she was. And he also acknowledged, he testified of the goodness that she was showing to Naomi. And it turned out that he was one of the kinsmen. However, it was in her obedience to Naomi that she managed to get married to Boaz. Because Naomi gave her what might seem like a strange suggestion. To say, go back to the threshing floor, now in the evening, lie at his feet. He'll tell you what to do. I don't know if, if it was normal for the Moabites, but it may have been very absurd as it is right now for you to go and just lie at the feet of some stranger. But she chose to obey. What I'm saying is, in obeying God, there, there is no need to deliberate or to find logic in it. 
You don't have to see what is our own in the, in the future. You have to see and understand what the instruction is. It, is. it is his nature that he will not give you the full picture. It unfolds as you obey. Yeah? So she lies. She lies there. And Bohas gives her the instruction. Long story short, she got married to Bohas. That's what uh, Naomi said she couldn't provide earlier, right? It turns out she could. She got him Bohas. And from that, they had David as their grandchild, who is in the lineage of Jesus. So she's privileged to be one of the few Gentiles who are in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. With humility comes honor. It's the nature of God to honor the humble. He gives grace to the humble. So when we choose to obey, when we choose to humble ourselves before the Lord, he will take us to our best destiny. He knows anyway where we are supposed to go, right? And it's just me choosing to say, yes, Lord, let's go. And he takes me to that destiny. We know that our future is always bright with God. Our future is always bright with God. And if we trust him, like we confess we do, it shouldn't be too hard to go with him, right? I believe all of us are here because we flew, we flew in from another country, right? All right. So when we take off from your home country coming to Dubai, do, can, you, can you tell where Dubai is from your home country? Do you get to see the pilot before you take off? Again, no. But what gives you the confidence to book the flight? Sit there, buckle up, listen to this person telling you that you'll reach in five hours, and then eventually after five hours, you reach Dubai. That's a level of trust, confidence. Confidence in the pilot. And then God says, my grace is sufficient. And you say, no, God, I can't deal with this. This is not my portion. And you rebuke and cast and everything. But God is saying, my grace is sufficient. You say, no, no, no. Not in this situation. Your grace can't be sufficient. But when you're flying mid-air and there's turbulence, and the pilot say, fasten your belt, that's it. You feel safe. You fasten your belt and you sit and relax. But he's human, no? It might crash. With God, it never crashes. The same word from the pilot makes more sense compared to the word from God. It's the position of my heart when I'm getting the instruction. It's the same small voice, right? And then I give a testimony. You know, the turbulence was really bad, but the pilot was really good. I didn't even see if there was a pilot indeed or if there was a machine there. But I, I thought that there was a pilot and I give him credit. However, when I'm faced with situations and I feel like I'm saving and nothing is happening and each time I pray, I hear the word, my grace is sufficient. I judge God. I don't take him at his own word. I try and strive and look for a solution. That's not humility. Humility is when there is a storm and you sleep in the midst of the storm. It's not every storm that you're meant to calm down. Some storms are meant to rage. 
It's the ability to harness the power that God gave you and to follow his guidance. So in every situation, look out for the word. Hear the word. Even when you feel like you messed up, go back. He's happy. He's proud of you already. Go back. Start again. Keep going. Keep going. Listen to that voice. Knowing that your future is bright. If we know that pilots are trained to fly, what about God, the creator of the pilot? He's trained to love on us and to protect us, to watch over us. He needs us to partner with him. He desires for us to be in partnership with him. And he's always longing, waiting for us to say, yes, Lord, what am I doing today? I'm here to save. I acknowledge that it is only by your grace that I can do this. I choose not to work for what you have provided. That's humility. It's when you know it's provided and you take full advantage of the provisions that are there for you. It is something like this. Dinner is served. The food is there on the table. And then you say, you're invited to sit and partake. And you say, no, I'll make my meal. Does that look like humility? It's pride. You are saying, I can make better food than this. The act of cooking food are the works of the flesh. You think you can perform better than the food that has been served before you. So when we say no, when we choose to resist, we are being proud. We are not walking in humility. When we are in self-pity, we are not in humility. I do not have to pity myself when I am in God. Could it be it's because I'm thinking what my neighbor may be thinking about my situation that I pity myself? Because God is not thinking that. Who am I aware of in this situation? In humility, I'm conscious and aware of God at all times. Doesn't matter what my neighbors think about it. What matters is what God is saying. And by the way, it's almost impossible to not live well with men if you're following God. Why is it that multitudes thronged on Jesus? He heard from the Father. And God is love. So when you walk in love, you attract many to you. Right? It's just moments when you have to stand against certain obstacles which are largely ourselves, to say, I can step out of this. I don't need to be eloquent. I don't need to be elite to minister to these people. I don't need all this. I need Christ. He is all I need, and I step out there, and I become him in that moment. I want to summarize what we have discussed today, right? It is pride to downplay yourself in every situation. Because humility is not inferiority, but the ability to control and to harness your power in subjection to the will of God. With humility comes contentedness. You are grateful. Nothing is lacking. Because he supplies all our needs according to his riches in glory. I'm not focusing on my need because I'm selfless. I'm focusing on my assignment. He knows when I need something. 
Humility desires God's will. In as much as I have an option, I submit my options to him and lean into here what he's telling me to do. Because the Bible says in Psalm 25 verse 9, he guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. He, he is there ready to teach us, to guide us in ways that we should walk. It is wisdom and strength to wait on the Lord. And it is weakness to step out and manifest your power in the wrong way. You remember in the Bible, there was King Saul. Out of fear, he had waited for the prophet. Out of fear, he went on and performed a priestly duty. And because of that, he lost his position as king. Again, it's because God, it's not because God hated him. It's a choice, it's a decision he made in that moment. He chose works over rest. It was not his role to perform a priestly duty. But he thought, I've waited long enough. And he put the blame on God. Sometimes we do that in storms, right? Where is God? Where is he? Probably that's the moment you need to wait and hear what he's saying. Not probably. That is the moment you need to wait and hear what he's saying. What is the benefit in moving on without an instruction? Where are you going? We have all taken driving lessons. Majority of us have taken driving lessons. Would you just get into a car and start driving without an instructor? Well, I'm at Galadari now. Which car am I driving? Is there anything like that? So you might sit in the car and talk for 30 minutes and say, and the instructor says, you may go. And then the other day he says, start the engine. And that's only when you can start the engine, right? So sometimes even in storms, even when you, you don't understand, this is why he, he always implores us to rest. Because there are moments when we need to wait. There are moments, there is perfect timing. He is never too late. So when he requires to wait, we need to wait and wait for the instruction to move on. See, with the children of Israel, you gave them the cloud. He said, when I lift off from the camp, that's when you, you move. Sometimes it would be one day. Sometimes it would be however many days. They would wait until the next instruction. You are never late when you are walking with Christ. You are always, always on time. This is why he gave us the fruit of the Spirit. We manifest the fruit of the Spirit. We are patient. Because that's the fruit of the Spirit. We are gentle. We can wait. Yes, we can. In a world where everything happens in the snap of a finger, we can wait on the Lord. Because those that, await, those that wait on the Lord are renewed in strength. They soar up with wings as eagles. I don't need to rush. He's able. He's able to give me instructions that will take me to my destiny at the right time. So wait on the Lord. He is never late. Yeah? In my conclusion, I want to talk about Peter. So Peter was a professional fisherman. And one night he went fishing. He caught no fish. In the morning, Jesus asked for his boat, and he landed his boat to Jesus to teach. 
After that, Jesus instructed him to cast his net into the deep for a catch. Peter was a professional fisherman. But in that moment, he did not say, you know what, I'm qualified. I have this qualification. I know about fish. This is not the right time. You know, I tried all night. There's no fish here. Because as a fisherman, I believe he was a professional. He knew where to find fish. And honestly, I don't think he was blind enough to have left the fish there the whole night. But God wanted to meet him in the morning, the following day. So sometimes we don't need to... It's, it's okay. As we live in this world, qualifications are important. If you're a medical doctor, praise God. It's the wisdom of God for you to be a doctor. If you're an architect, whoever you are, we thank God for that profession. But let it not override the instruction of the Lord. Because sometimes he will speak to you to do the opposite of what you think you're qualified to know. It's not always when gravity works. You know that, right? Because Jesus ascended. <laughs> but it's God who created gravity, right? So I don't have to be so conceited and say, I know this. I actually have this qualification. It can't happen like this. Peter was not like that. He said, the master said it, I'll do it. And it was a record-breaking catch. Again, he had a choice, like I said. He could have said, you know what, Jesus, I know I helped you. You don't have to really. And then he could have gone home, no? God would not have been mad at him. No, it would have just been another day that ended differently. For Naaman, he then said after his healing that he would, he would worship the God of Israel. After he eventually chose to obey, his conclusion was there is no other God in the land. And he goes on to say, can I just collect a few cents from here? Like a, a, something to remember this place by, that there is God in this land. It was a revelation that came after he had received his healing. And the healing came after he had obeyed. The act of obedience was humility. And that's the same thing that happened to Peter. He said, okay, master, I'll cast my net. Whether he did it reluctantly or that's another thing. But he caught the fish eventually. So there's a reward when you walk in humility. My concluding scripture is Proverbs chapter 22, verse 4. It says, Humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor and life. God says, I've laid before you life and death. Choose life. Again, I say the same thing. Choose life. Choose humility. Choose partnership. Choose submission to God. I bless you with that word. Amen.